Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hey everyone, it's Sarah Poet. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you for being here. This week, I am going to be talking about feminine leadership and women's leadership in light of feminine and masculine archetypes. And so this episode is just me. I haven't done one of these in a while because we have so many amazing uh, guests on the podcast. And so whether you're returning or whether this is your first time, thank you for being here. Um, This is going to have hopefully a lot of really helpful and relevant information in it. And um, as I was doing a couple of interviews around the topic of feminine leadership and women's leadership upcoming, I was doing these interviews over the past few weeks, and I was really just feeling into the need to put my voice to this. Um, Maybe not a need, but a desire, because the interviews that we have coming up are certainly brilliant. Um, and then there was there was some conversation about the archetypes that I really wanted to make sure was covered. And so that is when I made the decision to record this episode. So I'm going to take it in chunks of topics and I'll try to um, flow with that as best as we can. But this is definitely something that I'm really passionate about having been a woman who did enter into school leadership. It was my second master's degree. My post-master's degree was in educational leadership. And, um, you know, I am a natural leader. I think it's in my human design, but also it's like, I really, um, in my younger years, it may have looked like, uh, a little bit of a shadow expression, like I wanted control or, or something like that. But really, I am, I'm very able to see from like a bird's eye view and see systems of things. And I really love coaching and improvement. And I really love doing, you know, what, what the research shows is best. And then beyond that, even what we as human, <laughs> what we as humans intuit or know is best. And so, um, yeah, those qualities were always within and so I found myself a sort of um, climbing the career ladder in education, if you will. I considered making a switch 
to a counseling profession many times, and many coworkers always thought I would do that. But in all honesty, you know, it was like, well, I've already invested this time and this money into this career. And so I might as well climb the ladder. And so that was some of the rationale. But also, you know, I love leadership. I loved school leadership. I loved the idea of really making systems of education better. Um, And then when someone handed me a school and said, design this, it was a therapeutic boarding school. It's like the academic portion of the therapeutic boarding school. And really I got to make it my own. And I did not have the confidence necessarily at that time to really see what I was being given, but it was really um, kind of a dream come true to to do that and to be able to create at that level. And that was the last position that I had in education before leaving to create Embodied Breath, where, of course, I get even, even more freedom. So all that to say, this is something that's very um, close to me. If you've listened to my TEDx, I might reference that a few times today, just because it's my story of how I had really climbed that ladder, um, but then found myself really depleted. But I'm going to come back to that in a second. And so, yeah, this is a topic that's really close to me. Um, I'm passionate about it. And I'm also passionate about helping women leaders. Now, what is a leader? I'm not really here to define that. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to define for you. Well, what is a leader? Do you see yourself in leadership? And, you know, in, in an old paradigm that could mean that you are somebody's boss, like there's a hierarchy, or it could have to do with the way you live your life and the values that you bring forward in your day-to-day life, whether you're running your household or you're running your own life and your own schedule, or you're running a business or a school. Okay. So there are many facets of leadership, of course. Um, But I want to begin here by talking about how we as women often default into our careers and our career paths. And if you're a listener of this podcast, we've certainly covered some of these topics um, along the way. But, you know, we we grow up, so I'm going to just say this very loosely. I'm going to make some generalizations here about life in the patriarchy. Um, so we grow up as women just even subconsciously knowing that man's like the man way is the way that we are supposed to do it or like there's one way to do it and men control that and to to say this right now i'm even like tapping into myself as a young person and you know so i invite you to do that now you know in a moment of sort of sacred remembering and going back to what that little one knew you know what was leadership or what did you have to listen to um And so a lot of the rules or the constructs were created in a patriarchy. And so that just means that power and authority were defaulted 
to men. So what happens is, is that we all, like regardless of gender, we all learn certain ways that the patriarchy tells us to succeed. Well, here's how you succeed. You go out and you work very hard and you beat the competition and you climb the ladders and, you know, you make as much money as possible. And then there are these various definitions of success and achievement that in our individual psyches we buy into. And then those are the drivers subconsciously of how we go about life. And so I know that I'm not the only one who I I had a story, a program sort of running from the patriarchy that said, you know, you have to go out and you have to achieve and succeed and climb career ladders and make as much money as possible. And you're really not um, reaching your potential or like human potential or (laughs) you know, fill in the blank with the, who's going to judge you, like parents' potential, God's potential for you, you know, it's like that just sort of runs the program. And so we come sort of out of the gate as little people, as young women, and then, you know, as, as adults, we find ourselves as women going, wait a minute, this orientation is not working for me. And I want to talk about what that orientation is in terms of feminine and masculine archetypes. Okay. So if this is like, you are new to this conversation of archetypes, perfect. Okay. You, uh, I really welcome this because I love talking about the workplace and gender in terms of feminine masculine. Cause I really think a lot of the issues that we have in the workplace with gender could actually see a lot of healing if we started to talk about archetypes in the workplace. And I actually have programming for that. If you're listening and you are you know, involved in HR or you want to get this to your organization or you want to have a conversation about that, please reach out to me because I can design programming that fits your needs. Okay. So talking about the feminine and masculine archetypes is like, it's mind-blowing. Okay, actually, I'm going to interrupt here and tell a story. You know, I love a story. So after I gave my TEDx, and in my TEDx, I'm talking about how I had this not enough wound that subconsciously drove me, and I got one degree, and then I got another degree, and then I, you know, had a child, and then I was like, wait, I'm not happy by, you know, by anyone's standards. And so like, where did I go wrong? Because I've been striving so much. Okay. And that was because of the loss of my daughter at 18 to adoption. And so I just thought, well, I wasn't good enough and I have to go make something of myself. And I really stayed in that orientation for, you know, a good 12 years before my waking up, um, which, you know, is like never done, <laughs> but uh, a real waking up happened around like 2012. And so, um, you know, when I was doing that, I was in a masculine archetypal orientation, but I'm also going to call that an unconscious 
masculine orientation because I did not know I was doing it. So it was unconscious. Like I did not know that I was emulating this programming of the patriarchy. I just thought, well, I felt like shit when I had to give my daughter away and I wasn't good enough to do that. And so good enough to raise her. And so, you know, I have to push myself. Like that was the story in my mind that was so painful and so overarching that I, you know, could not become conscious of the story that was playing. So some of you that are listening are going to be like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Awesome. Okay. So that's an awakening portion of this feminine masculine reclamation path. Okay. So yay. I want to say this too, right here. I'm going to string a couple things together. Um, I am creating a, a visual, a printable of the steps on that awakening path. And I'm going to have that for you within the next few weeks. So please go to sarahpoet.com, depending on when you're listening to this, make sure that you're on my email list and, um, it's going to be the downloadable, you know, freebie on the website and just, just a little bit. But if you listen to this before, then go ahead and make sure you're on my email list. And I will share that with you because I really see that we need um, a, a pathway of what does this feminine and masculine reclamation look like? Okay. So go to sarahpoet.com and get on the email list and I'll send you that PDF when it's ready. Okay. So Back to what I said in the TEDx about realizing that I was in this unconscious masculine orientation. So I tell this story and then at intermission, I'm in the bathroom and this woman comes up to me and she's young and, you know, hip in my judgment. And um, she says, oh my gosh, I work for an international women's leadership organization. And we have never talked about what you are talking about. And essentially we are perpetuating this unconscious masculine orientation in women's leadership. And I was like, fucking bingo right? Like, yes, this is what we have been playing at. And so, you know, I remember being in college and I went to intern with a woman um, politician for the Green Party. And I I really thought that things were going to be different because she was a woman working for the green party. And then I was like, Oh, we're just still playing the same games, you know? And so that's kind of how I've looked at women politicians or women in leadership. It's like, for me personally, and I say this at the end of the TEDx, we don't just need women in leadership. We need the feminine in leadership, the conscious feminine in leadership. Because when women are 
simply, but it's not simple, playing the game of achievement and climbing those hierarchies that are already in place, well, you kind of have to play the game, right? So that means taking on these unconscious masculine traits. Um, And, you know, are they all unconscious? Potentially not. Okay, so we may not realize that we are doing it, which makes it unconscious. Are they all unhealthy? No, not all. But, you know, when women are emulating the masculine in the patriarchy, then yes, there's going to be some um, emulation of some healthy, or I'll call them unconscious, masculine characteristics. But I think what gets really dangerous here and really why I'm putting my voice to this is because right there at that point, when women start to realize, oh, you know, there's this thing called the feminine and I left it behind, then what happens in the brain or just in the walk of, you know, awakening or the soul path or the psyche and whatever you want to call it. The next thing that naturally happens in a woman who remembers the repression of the feminine is that she goes into an orientation of fighting the masculine. Because then it's like, oh, well, men masculine have been, you know, a part of this oppression and a part of this system. And so that's now the opposition. So let's just talk about this in any woman's body. When a woman does that and and makes man or masculine the opposition in her feminine reclamation path, what she has just done is actually set herself up to fight. So she set herself up to be guarded of a thing, guarded of her newfound femininity. She now realizes, oh my gosh, so much was taken from me. I must defend what was taken from me and anybody else who might try to take it. And so that expression of the feminine is actually not the true sacred feminine, I'll call it. It is an expression of the feminine, perhaps, as we are attempting to remember and reclaim, but it can also be really unhealthy. So I want to say that the feminine and masculine can both exist in a conscious orientation or an unconscious orientation, and the feminine and masculine both have expressions. Now I'm talking about the archetypes, right? So we're talking a little bit about theory here. It's like, well, if I understand this information, then I can apply it to my life. I can learn to dance with these energies. So we can call them archetypes. We can call them energies. And so both the feminine and the masculine also have like a hyper expression and um, like a turned down or a lower expression. Okay. So to really hit that sweet spot of pure essence expression all the time is impossible because we're humans. But on this walk of reclaiming consciously the feminine and the masculine, um, you know, it's really wonderful to know what the healthy expressions are. 
of, of both. I'm going to be talking about that here in a minute. So I love to read (laughs) books about leadership and I love to read books about the feminine and masculine. And I hope it's okay that I just talk about Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead here on this podcast. It's a great book. We all love Brene Brown. And, you know, she's done just a ton of that um, shame and vulnerability research. And then her work really, as I understand it, as she says in the book, um, went toward working with a lot of leaders. And so as I was reading Dare to Lead, I was like, oh my gosh, I could put a cliff notes or something, or I could not rewrite the book because I'm not, I'm no Brene Brown, but you know, I could rewrite this book essentially through the lens of the feminine and masculine. And I wish that I could have that conversation with Brene Brown. So Brene, yo, if you're listening, I just said yo to Brene Brown, that's not cool. But you know, what are the chances she's going to be listening to my podcast? But hey, if we have six degrees of separation going here, I'm all about having this conversation with Brene Brown, if anybody wants to make that connection. So, okay, so she's talking about how you need to be vulnerable in leadership, right? And I'm going to make this section of the podcast relatively short. I'm not going to try to summarize all of um, all of this work here, but you know, she's talking about how when we come from that not enough orientation or we have a lot of shame and we don't feel comfortable being vulnerable, we armor up. But what do we know about men in a patriarchy? It's not okay to share emotions or be vulnerable. And so there's a lot of armoring. So as women are a unconsciously taking on the masculine or B reclaiming the feminine, but then guarding themselves against the masculine, there is a lot of armoring. Okay. So, you know, all of this applies to feminine masculine, but on page 77 of the book, love that number 77. And this is episode 44 of the podcast. Love those numbers. Um, Divine winks right there. So, Okay, on page 77, she's talking about what she calls daring leadership as opposed to armored leadership. And when I go down this list of daring leadership, I can look at this and I'm like, yeah, well, these are some qualities of conscious feminine, conscious masculine. So when we're talking about empathy in leadership, you know, again, of our own lives, of a team of people, of your family, whatever the, the realm of leadership, if you are exercising empathy, that would be a conscious feminine characteristic because the feminine is going to be that softness, the rest, the connection, the compassion, okay? But the masculine has a really important role. So, Um, For example, setting boundaries, it's number three on Brene's list, Um, continuing to be a learner and getting it right, okay? So that's a, I would say that's a masculine characteristic of really following through. Um, Number six, modeling clarity, clarity, cognition, decisiveness are all masculine, Okay, Um, cultivating commitment, I would say that holding that container, oh, and shared purpose, that's number 10 on her list. Purpose is a masculine archetypal characteristic because the masculine 
must align with purpose in order to, you know, have, have a fulfilled expression. Um, Number 11 says acknowledging, naming, and normalizing collective fear and uncertainty. And so I would put that under the category of space holding. Okay, so the masculine in a healthy expression is going to hold the space for who's ever on the team or whoever is in the family. And um, it's like, you know what, no matter what happens here, I got you. And creating a really safe space for there to be that vulnerability and the sharing and the going through the muck or, or anything like that. Okay, so then I just want to do, oh, straight talking and taking action, by the way, number 15 another masculine. Then I want to look at some feminine characteristics here. Okay. So practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones and victories. So you see there, um, it's a softness and it's about relatedness. Okay. Um, number seven, making contributions. So that's about community. Um, number eight, Using power with, power to, power within. So I put that under the under the category of collaboration, okay? Then there is um, number 12 talks about modeling, supporting, rest, play, and recovery, sort of like in a, um, in a cyclical way. So integrating rest on purpose is definitely a conscious feminine aspect, Okay. And then number 13 is cultivating a culture of belonging and inclusivity. I would say that's feminine as well. And where I am like, damn, Brene bringing it home, her last, uh, number 16, the last point on this list is leading from the heart. Okay. And at the end of my TEDx, I'm like, hey, these two meet in the space of the heart. And so the feminine and masculine both must be in their heart for a conscious orientation. Okay. So just like, okay, we can do anything (laughs) consciously or unconsciously right? So women in leadership, just like women being in leadership alone, um, doing the damn thing, but totally unconscious of this feminine leadership. Um, you know, I would say women in leadership, yay. That's like, you know, we're on part of the right track, but until we are consciously integrating the feminine aspect that has been repressed in the patriarchy, you know, perpetually, we actually can't be healthy as humans, organizations, families, partnerships. I mean, it's just, it's just impossible because like I said, again, in the TEDx, I just rewatched it because it was, um, the year anniversary. And so I watched it for the first time in probably eight months. Uh, So I don't mean to be quoting myself so much, but it's actually, um, you know, I spent so many months saying those things and then I jogged my memory again yesterday. But I say you can't repress half of what comprises all of the energy in the universe 
and expect for things to flow. Okay. And that is what has been going on here, which is a really big point. I just want to pause for that one. The feminine archetype being repressed means that every single one of us has suffered. But also when you put the feminine into suppression or oppression, it means that that masculine goes unconscious. So, because you can't have a healthy expression of one and not the other, because a healthy masculine expression naturally would integrate the feminine in order to be in the space of the heart. Do you see that? So any masculine leadership that is in the space of the heart, like if you are seeing a man bleeding really well from the space of the heart, you are going to be able to find evidence of the incorporation of these feminine aspects consciously into his leadership. Okay. Now we call those. Okay. So research shows that things like collaboration, cooperation, creativity um, are really good for leadership, but you also are going to see over and over again. And I know that I experienced this first hand show of hands, anyone else, that when a man who has not done his own work to reclaim his conscious masculine and feminine is in a leadership position, and he has some of these ideas about collaboration and creativity and empathy, but he has not lived them himself, he will not truly be able to lead it. So again, you have to go on this like soul psyche journey, in my opinion, to be adept at really strong leadership these days. And it's really obvious when this has not happened. So to be very honest, I love holding space for leaders of organizations to do this soul work because, you know, when someone fucks up at this, we cry gender warfare. (laughs) We were like gender inequity, right? But we have to realize that something much deeper is going on that lives in our psyches as a result of everyone having come up in a patriarchy. So, you know, back to when women go into the opposition of men because we feel repressed, oppressed, certainly there's evidence of that for sure, for sure. And also this culture isn't equipping men to become conscious of these things either. So, you know, I'm just kind of like, well, women, why do we expect men to just understand this stuff? Like if we're in a reclamation of our feminine, yes, everyone has the responsibility, in my opinion, to do this work. Um, But, you know, wouldn't a man have to go through that reclamation also? So like, let's invite each other rather than being in opposition to one another. Okay, 
Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, you guys are hanging in there. So I want to be really clear that both of these, feminine and masculine, are within each of us. So, all right. A lot of times when we start reclaiming the feminine or talking about feminine leadership, if we are in shadow around a healthy masculine, a couple things happen. One, like I said, we get armored up. Two, we actually push away what we want because we need these masculine characteristics in order to, I don't know, see things through, right? Like the masculine is going to be the... um, the one to hold you accountable. Like I'm saying the inner masculine or these archetypal aspects. And this is the way I think. And and if you don't, that's okay. But I think it's fun to learn how each other thinks as well. So, you know, you can look at everything through feminine and masculine. Um, And so I'll tell the story here real quick. When I became an entrepreneur, from being in the school system. I was really good at thriving in the school system. Um, Really good at schedules, really good at, like I said, seeing that bird's eye view, really good at seeing how those pieces went together. But think about it. What goes away when you leave the school building and leave the structure? Well, the structure goes away, right? And so here you are, I was an entrepreneur and I was just like, okay, la-di-da, what's on the to-do list? And I would just move through my days. And it was actually also an emotional process for my career to end. And then like there were relationships ending. I was on this massive path of feminine masculine reclamation within that sort of (laughs) was always overlaying it. And so it was this massive soul journey as well, right? And so there would be times that I was emotional or, you know, I was like emotional. It's 10 in the morning. I'm emotional. It's 12 in the afternoon. Like there's not a, um, you know, a time frame where these things happen, but I was learning in the feminine to respect it and like respect the flow and respect the cycles. And it's like, oh, okay. My body needs extra rest right here. Oh, okay. My body needs to go for a run right here. Oh, Okay my body needs to work out these emotions. Oh, okay. I need a little bit of, um, you know, flow time. Well, (laughs) what happened and come on, like I have two master's degrees. I can figure things out. Right. (laughs) But what happened because I was unconscious to this was that, um, I didn't erect the structure for my entrepreneurial days. And if you're not erecting the structure for your entrepreneurial days or your entrepreneurial money or your entrepreneurial business, guess what? It's not happening. So the path of realizing, oh my gosh, I need the masculine here in a really big way, um, you know, was, was a path that was pretty time consuming. And also, um, you know, that was happening on a spiritual level as well, because when we're pushing the masculine away as women, we are doing very, very big work of remembering, very big work of remembering you know, we push it away. Then we realize, oh my gosh, I cut that off. I need that back. Okay. And from where I'm sitting, I think that this is a new conversation in women's work. 
because there's been a lot of remembering of the feminine and feminine reclamation, thank goodness, but there's not necessarily been a lot of women saying, oh, no, no, we need to be in conscious relationship to the masculine starting within us. And then from there, it goes on, you know, spiritually. It's like, can you be with the masculine aspects of, you know, of spirit, of creation, of God, if you use that word? And a lot of us as women who identify as oppressed or victimized or traumatized, and I'm not saying that those things haven't happened because they have happened, but it's it's like, how much are you still identifying with that versus how much are you willing to integrate the masculine in a healthy and sacred expression back into yourself and into your ways of being? And a lot of women are trying to heal that relationship subconsciously with the masculine through men not realizing that this is what they're doing, again, (laughs) I'm going to be writing out this path and and creating a printable for you. (laughs) It'll be on my website because we need to realize, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this path. It's a gorgeous path, but I want to help you with some tools so that you can like realize, oh, okay, this is what's happening now. Oh yeah, I do have to remember the masculine, right? So that you don't have to just like stumble upon it. Um, And so that's a lot of the work that I'm doing right now with women actually is like women who were, you know, professionals in a field and really, really identified with that masculine and put that masculine on. And another way to say that is wearing a masculine shell, So we learn to put on that masculine shell. We learn to armor up. We learn to be protective. We learn to climb the hierarchy. We repress the feminine, but then that process of reclaiming the feminine and taking off that masculine shell can be very, very vulnerable. And so we need to also bring in our understanding and relationship with the sacred masculine because what is the feminine without the masculine? Like what is a river without its banks? I don't really like that river bank analogy anymore, but um, you know, what is rest without action? What is um, creativity without decision-making? So clearly we all know when I use that kind of language that we do need both But when we bring a consciousness to the fact that we need both of these, things really, really start to happen. So I want to here enter in Structure and Flow. Structure and Flow is a new program that I wrote in cahoots with the universe. And it is a time and energy management system for women that balances the feminine and the masculine, and really cleans up time and energy throughout the day. So it's a 12-week, it's like a 12-week planner, but it's a 12-week system, okay? It's like a coaching program inside of a planner. It's so cool. It's got these multiple components. So when you use it, you actually begin to exercise the feminine and masculine 
um, energies, even before understanding the whole of what I'm saying. So if you are a woman who's like, whoa, yeah, I've been hyper masculine. There's no way that my to-do list is ever getting done. I'm completely depleted. Maybe I'm a little sick. Then structure and flow is for you. If you are a woman who's like, oh my gosh, I cannot seem to structure my time and I'm always floaty all over the place. Um, but I really want to get more done, or maybe you want to start a business. Boom. This is for you. So again, go to sarahpoet.com. This program is coming out in October, and I'm going to be talking about this in September and October, and we're going to do a 12 week program together the first time that this comes out. Okay. After that, it'll be, uh, it'll be available to you, but um, yeah. And, and there's, this program is like wide open for as many women, um, that want to do this at a lower price point. And so I'm really excited because right now women, you know, I'm always like, right now is the time, but it's really true. The, the last quarter of 2020 to me is really about refining our energetics and getting really, really conscious as far as where we're placing our attention, where we're placing our time, where we're giving our energy and really cleaning that up in the direction and alignment of where we want to go. So if you are someone who really has a difficult time, even identifying where you want to go, but you have like a hint of where you want to go, but you just can't seem to like get yourself there, this program, this 12-week program. Oh my gosh, I have chills right now. Does anyone else have chills? Um, This 12-week program will catapult you and land you into 2021 in a really empowered place and a really balanced place. So that that program structure and flow is for you no matter where you are on the path. Like if you want to clean up your time and energy and get to your next level, which I always want to do, um, then the program is for you. So, okay, y'all, we are honing in here, home stretch. All right, I think this is, these are my final thoughts here. Um, I I want to open up one more topic, and I understand that this one might be a little bit controversial if you are still holding a lot of, feminine trauma around the masculine um, or, you know, you're, you're just not ready to talk about like the, the beautiful things about men or masculine. So this is why in the last portion I was really talking about when we come to remember this as women, that we need these masculine, we need the masculine expression. I found find and found that it is easier. And I'll, I will say it is necessary to heal our relationship with the masculine actually through the spirit and through our own psyche. So if we are constantly depending on a man to prove to us that there are healthy expressions of masculinity whether or not they can do that, we are not doing ourselves the favor because we need to be remembering this ourselves because it really has a lot to do with our own trust in the universe. 
So the notion of feminine leadership or the notion of like, oh, you know, women just surrender and receive everything. I'm sorry, if you are not healing your trauma and you are not willing to be with the beautiful expressions of the masculine, surrender is not possible from a biological standpoint. Your cells, your, um, your trauma will not allow you to open and to receive. So if you're running a program that says, I can't trust men, and so I have to do this all on my own, I have to rely on my feminine, I love my feminine characteristics, but you're really having a hard time like making that business happen, or you're having a hard time manifesting, this is why. Because your feminine is actually craving the masculine. And I know that, you know, I know some women do not want to hear that, but I'm like, it's okay. Because I suffered so much more when I was determined that I was hurt or would be hurt by the masculine. I mean, that was like my own suffering. And then when I began to heal it, I did not rely on a man. I did rely on a man to prove it to me multiple times, got my ass kicked through relationship, through soul guided, (laughs) divine ass kickings. And then I remembered that, um, oh, I need to heal this relationship with the masculine and with, um, you know, the masculine within and the masculine of, of the universe. Okay. And so that's when it really starts to really happen. So like these notions of, oh, just surrender and receive, like, um, it's only possible when we actually heal the masculine with him. So that brings us back for a moment to humans, human women, human men, and leadership. And I want to talk about this in the context of personal relationship between man and woman and polarity. Okay, so we want the masculine to lead, I'm going to say I, I want the masculine to be in leadership if I am consciously playing with polarity in my relationship. If, you know, so in, in your individual relationships, there is a component of leadership and it's really important. This is actually a much bigger topic than I'm giving um, justice to right now, but As women, when we wear those masculine shells and we've had to do it in the workplace, right? So then what happens when you come home? You have the masculine shell on when you come home and then you're taking charge and you're bossing your husband around and you're bossing your children around. I did that. I did that in my marriage. Um, And around my awakening, that led to divorce. And then I went to my therapist, knew at the time, and I sat down and I said, I never want to be this woman again. Okay. And that was like years of work. Okay. So this is really, really ingrained, but we cannot, if we want healthy relationships with our men, women, if we are in relationships with men, uh, love relationships, and we want those relationships to be conscious, then we cannot wear the masculine shell in those relationships And if we're going to put the masculine polarity on that, if we're going to go toward our masculine, 
then we need to realize that that's going to push him into his feminine. And then you need to ask yourself, is that what you want? Because if that's not what you want, if you do not want a man who is in his feminine, and oftentimes when a man is in his feminine, you're, you're actually going to see, um, you know, less risk taking less leadership. I mean, you can imagine. And, you know, the things that we crave in our culture to see from men, more clarity, more decisiveness, more provision that only comes when we create space for it. And so I really, really wanted to say this point right here, because this is going on in the collective in a big, big way. If I'm not saying that women shouldn't be in leadership, I'm not saying that women shouldn't be in, you know, leadership positions in the workplace, not at all. I am saying that there is, I think there's a whole additional conversation on women's leadership that integrates the feminine and masculine in the space of the heart. I think we could take out (laughs) women's and just make it non-gender. Like there's a, a big space for a conversation about leadership with feminine and masculine orientation, regardless of gender, because then we could put on the quality or use the archetypal energy that most serve that circumstance. And it wouldn't be about gender as much. So I'm not saying that I don't want women in positions of, you know, leadership in the workplace as it traditionally exists, not at all. What I am saying is in our personal relationships, or one on one, if we are holding a masculine polarity around men or with men, then it's going to create the more opposition, or it's going to force them into the feminine. Now, you know, we've all, yeah, I think I'll just, I'll leave it at that. But you can be a woman leader. So in my last school, I had a small staff, but I had a staff that were actually all four male teachers. And those male teachers, I gave them so much autonomy. I gave them so much gratitude and praise and freedom. And they thrived and they said that it it was the best um, work relationship with a boss they've ever had. So, you know, that was very interesting too, because it was an all-male school and an all-male staff. And so lots of gender dynamics and masculine feminine dynamics playing out there. But like, just because I was a woman in charge, technically, did not mean that I needed to hold any kind of unconscious or oppressive masculine over these men Rather, I came into the space of the heart, I did provide the structure, I did provide the non-negotiables, and then I I created the container, which is a masculine um, energy, I I created the container for them to get creative and for them to thrive, okay? So, in our love relationships... I know I'm kind of bouncing around here. I'm almost complete. 
in our love relationships, if we are craving for our man to step in in any way, then that actually has something to do with how you are holding the archetypal energy. And a lot of women want their men to step in, but you're still holding this fear of the masculine, which is in your cells, in your body, in your expression. And then you're not letting him come in fully and hold that masculine pole that you so crave. Ask me how I know about that because I've been walking that path. (laughs) Okay. I walk it myself. Um, These things are very, very deep within us. And that's the work that I do with couples, with women, um, and sometimes with men. Okay. So you can rebalance those polarities in your relationship. Um, But let's not dog on masculine leadership either. And I think that this is a conversation that many women are afraid to have um, because of old stigma, but we need to empower our men to lead in conscious masculine leadership, you know, all over the place, like all over the place. I want conscious masculine leadership. I crave it. I crave it in my household. I crave it for any man who's in a position of, you know, power out there in the world. I I crave it like inside of the hearts of men because I know that it feels better inside of the hearts of men to be in the balance and in the space of the heart. I know that feels better than being an oppressive asshole, right? So to hold that polarity is also exhausting, just like it's exhausting for women to hold the, the polarity of like men aren't safe. Okay. All of that's exhausting and we can heal it with a conscious orientation of feminine and masculine. So I'm going to be complete there. Thank you so much for listening and please hop over to the sacred remembering Facebook group. If you would like to pop any thoughts, please leave, um, uh, uh, review for this podcast and a rating. I know that it takes a little bit of time because you have to log into Apple and Spotify, but it is super helpful. And I so appreciate you being here and having these conversations. Um, join the next community call. You can go to sarahpoet.com, check out community calls. If you just want to get involved a little bit and, and have more of these conversations rather than just listening to me um, and structure and flow is coming in October and then more uh, is coming in the new year for really integrating this feminine and masculine um, within women in a really conscious way. So I look forward to staying connected. I look forward to hearing from you and hearing how I can serve you. Uh, So much love, so much love, so much love. Bye. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.